Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. 
It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Welcome to the Secret Teachings Radio Broadcast. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and thank you for joining us this morning, this afternoon, tonight, whenever and wherever you are listening around the world, from the United States to Australia, and from Europe to South America, all the way over to Japan. Thank you for tuning in on The Fringe FM. You can download The Fringe FM app for free if you haven't done that yet. That's Fringe FM. Check out the network website, fringe.fm. And if you missed any of our past broadcasts, you can always go to our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, and subscribe to the full show archive to get access to all the shows, all the montages, and all of my digital books, all on the website and all included in your subscription. If you have any questions about that or anything else, email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. That's r-d-g-a-b-l-e, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings and check us out on Patreon by searching the secret teachings or you'll find Patreon on the website along with my books. So there's a lot of information, a lot of ways to contact us, a lot of ways to support the show from subscriptions to books, lots of ways to keep up to date with The Secret Teachings. October of 2021 is my 12-year anniversary month of speaking on radio for the first time at a college radio station in Winter Park, just outside of Orlando, Florida, at Rollins College, the old WPRK 91.5 FM. And I know that we have at least a couple dozen listeners, and I can't believe you're still with us, who have been literally with us for a decade or more since those old days in that college radio basement, uh, which when I went back to that station, apparently they've destroyed that physical station and they've replaced it. So there is no more old college radio in the basement of Rollins College. They've completely gotten rid of it and moved it to a new location. So that was kind of sad when I went back to see that. When I first started radio, I just went in one day during a documentary that I was working on in film school because I went to a full cell university in Orlando. And at the time, I was reading The Biggest Secret by David Icke. I was reading a book by uh, an author named Mark Dice, called The Resistance Manifesto. I was reading uh, books by uh, Eric Von Daniken. I read Chariots of the Gods. I read Zachariah Sitchin. I read a couple of his books. 
I had The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly Palmer Hall, for which this show is actually named after. I had bought um, a number of books at bookstores prior to going to college because I, I found myself really interested in learning just pretty much about anything. I, I wanted to learn about UFOs. I wanted to learn about aliens. I wanted to learn about ancient history. I wanted to learn and I wanted to understand. And maybe somewhere inside of me, I thought maybe radio um, uh, or maybe film would probably be a, you know, a great medium to express that. But as I got into radio, I thought radio might be a better way to express that. Um, because when I got into radio, you know, it was a big, it was a big deal uh, at the college radio station. The show that I, I created, people really liked the commentary on those types of topics. And um, at the time, I also talked about other things like I uh, was in strong disagreement uh, with the previous uh, Bush administration over the war and occupations in Iraq and Afghanistan and other places. That went over really nice at a very left-wing college. And of course, over the years, that's changed. The people on the left tend to like war. Now, everybody seems to like war. You know, I used to go into this radio station. I used to, I used to try to make it something unique, something different. And some days I would go in. Uh, my show was on the weekend for two hours in the morning, very early, 6 a.m. in the morning. And uh, often they would have me fill in for other radio hosts. And I would go in and I would pick something out of a book and I would take notes and highlight things. And I go in and I would do a show. And I remember one time I went in and I did a show. It was spur of the moment, totally improv on the pyramids of Giza, the Giza Plateau. And I talked about the, the, the Great Pyramid and how I didn't think that it was a burial chamber. I thought that it was something else. And this was before... This was back in 2010, 2011. This was before, um, you know, it was as widespread, you know, the access that we have now to information that's, you know, all over social media, all over, you know, our streaming services. We can just pick, pick up a remote and watch, you know, ancient aliens or whatever. And I, I didn't know a lot about it, but I thought, I don't think that's a burial chamber because it's, it's, it's far too large. It's far too obvious. I mean, it would, I mean, logically, it would be an indicator for anybody from miles away that, hey, there's a tomb here to rob. And I just didn't think that that was, that was a, a proper explanation. And of course, you know, just the, the fact that some of these stones were, were thousands of pounds uh, you know, how did people transport those? I mean, if they used logs, there supposedly weren't logs available in that region at the time. They'd have had to quarry some of this stone from miles and miles away, thousands of pounds, and and move it miles and miles to the to the plateau. I just that didn't make sense to me, and so I consulted, you know, mainline history, and that didn't, you know, ex- explain it. Uh, so I went to alternative sources and I speculated myself. And I'll never forget this. A guy called into the radio and he's, all he said was, you're wrong. And I said, well, I mean, it went like this. I said, 91.5 FM, WPRK. The guy said, you're wrong. And I said, excuse me, what am I wrong about? And he said, the pyramids. And I said, well, would, would you like to come on the show and talk about it? What am I 
I, I'm not really trying to defend it. I'm just, what am I wrong about? And the guy said, well, I'm a professor and you're wrong. And he never gave me any reason why I was wrong, except that he was a professor. And he didn't even explain to me what he was, you know, an expert in or what he was a professor in. He, he just said, I'm a professor. I teach at the college and you're wrong. And I said, okay, if I'm wrong, that's cool. I don't care. I'm not married to this idea. I'm just providing a perspective that perhaps is a little bit different. Obviously, it's different enough that would get a professor at a college to call into a volunteer talk radio show at 6 o'clock in the morning because he was upset that I was talking about the pyramids (laughs) in Egypt. And he said, you're wrong. And I never got an answer out of him why I was wrong. So... I began over the years to develop my point of view in how I research things. I guess the the better way to, to explain it is when I look at something like ancient history or anomalous artifacts or bizarre, unexplained, you know, megalithic structures, you know, in the old world and the new world, I look at these things and I try to provide a different perspective, maybe even outside of the unofficial channels of history. You know, a lot of times I look at things like ancient aliens, which is probably the most well-known, and I don't necessarily think that it's aliens. And I know some people, I've interviewed some people that likewise feel that a lot of the things that we see throughout our history, um, from the development of what we call modern man to these incredible structures that we find all over the world. I mean, from pyramids to giant spherical objects to structures and technologies that would be needed to build those structures that just defy uh, our understanding of the past and defy our modern understanding of of engineering and mathematics and science and physics and all these things. And, um, you know, I don't always think that it's aliens. I think that it probably was an advanced human civilization and that advanced human civilization, for one reason or another or multiple reasons, vanished, disappeared, you know, kind of like the story of Atlantis. And a lot of information has been lost over hundreds, over thousands of years, And as a result of that, today, we feel as if ancient man couldn't have produced these technologies or these structures, either without the help of some intelligent species or race of beings from another planet or another dimension. That's one argument. Or the mainline argument is to not even argue at all and to just simply put everything into a box, lock the box, and forget about the Nazca lines, forget about the what are often termed anomalies, but they're just, you know, it's just bizarre uh, in, in relation to how we, we view the past, uh, the bizarre uh, construction of just in, enormous or complex structures. I mean, that range from South uh, Central America to, uh, to uh, the Middle East to Asia. Uh, I mean, you know, if you look back, in history, and you find that the mainline scientific narrative is the Earth formed about 4.7 billion years ago and solidified into what we call our world, the Earth, 
about 800 million years later. Of course, the flat earthers immediately, they disagree with me, but okay, that's not really my concern. I'm concerned with anomalous artifacts that essentially date back billions and billions of years. Fossil records supposedly reveal that life developed very quickly after the solidification of the Earth, probably within the first 200 million years or about 3.7 billion years ago, life began to develop. Very primitive life. Very simple life. Not homo sapiens, but very simple, single-celled life. However, dating back 3.5 billion years, around the same time that life began to develop, these little objects were dated, found in Otosdal in western Transvaal, South Africa. These little objects called the Klerksdorp spheres. Now, our Earth is carbon dated to about 4.5, 4.7 billion years ago. These spheres date to approximately 3.5 billion years. Klerksdorp spheres. Type that in. Look that up. Now, some believe that maybe these were created naturally. And that's a very, very, you know, likely explanation but it's also very likely that they were manufactured. Take a look at them. You'll probably think the same thing. How is it that if man only developed in the very, very, very recent history of this planet, could these types of artifacts exist that date back to a time in which mainline science dates the Earth to have formed, you know, let alone life having developed to any degree to be able to manufacture things in a process that would require some kind of machine or you know some kind of mechanism. Clearly, there are anomalies that mainline science, archaeology, historians, etc. cannot explain, and that's usually because they refuse to acknowledge the ample evidence in front of them that there was something in the past, call it aliens or ancient man, that understood some species, some intelligent race that understood complex mathematics and engineering and physics and astronomy and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and were able to implement this technology, this understanding in the development of things, uh, you know, from Easter Island, uh, you know, Rapa Nui and the Moai to the uh, Costa Rican stone spheres that were also found in places like China uh, Tiwanaku, uh, places like uh, uh, Pumapunku, uh, you know, you have structures that are found all over the world that, yeah, you'll, you'll see them so much, you know, in TV shows and, and things like, um, you know, ancient aliens and documentaries and hear about them on radio shows that they almost just become stale. But when you go back and you look at them with a fresh mind, you think, my God, how did anybody build that? How did anybody create that, especially at a time in which that technology shouldn't have existed? And a lot of people think, well, it has to then be aliens because man didn't possess that knowledge or that technology. But what if man did possess that knowledge and that technology? I think that would be more profound than if aliens had come down and simply rewritten, at least in the modern day, from our perspective, rewritten our history. I think aliens are a really easy way out when we talk about ancient history, ancient man, ancient anomalous artifacts, and things of this nature. Not to say that aliens couldn't have been involved involved in this, but I think that man 
has a much more important role in the history of this planet and what we call existence. I'm going to take my shot at the subject tonight without interviewing a guest. We'll see how I do. Email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. We're going to get into depth about this topic tonight on The Secret Teachings. Check us out at www.thesecretteachings.info and stay with us. The music tonight, White Bat Audio. Be back. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is The Secret Teachings Radio on The Fringe FM. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit the website, thesecretteachings.info, and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of Ryan's books. The show offers weekly and monthly subscriptions, or for $50 a year, get access to the archive, montages, and digital books at a discounted price. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the donate button at the top of the page. Your subscription supports The Secret Teachings, The Fringe FM, and you. Alex Exum. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and like my show, I like to associate with people and companies who are passionate about taking steps to a healthier life. Pro One Water Filters brings you simple-to-use systems for the home, business, and even the shower. They filter fluoride, heavy metals, and more, and their shower heads stop chlorine from being vaporized and inhaled. I've personally used their systems now for five years, and they're worth every penny sincerely. Our other affiliate, US Plus Health, is a small American company specializing in hydrogen peroxide solutions, isopropyl alcohol, and hand sanitizers with no additional ingredients like ethanol, chloride, or methanol. They use 100% U.S. materials at an FDA-registered facility. Their simple, non-toxic formulations are both safe and gentle. They evaporate quickly and leave no residue or stickiness. They're even recommended by the CDC, FDA, and WHO as opposed to other toxic chemicals like QACs. Find links to these affiliates, Pro One Water Filters, and U.S. Plus Health on our website, www.thesecretteachings.info for links, or visit usplushealth.com and type in the promo code TSTCLEAN. Do you want to know more about this strange and weird reality we live in? Join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where we explore the unrevealed. Every Wednesday night, live at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, here on The Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with your host, Ryan Gable. 
Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and I want to share something astounding with you. It's no mistake that Delta equals four numerically, and that with its three sides equals seven, the number of revelations that heralds the apocalypse to build a new kingdom on the ashes of the old. The new kingdom is not firstly God's, though but a false prophet who will be crowned, the Corona. His kingdom is seven years long, but it's cut in half. Delta means change and authority and conveys a deep meaning in holding the eye of God and his infallible name Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton. It's no mistake CG images of SARS-CoV-2 have little triangles or that Delta waves place people into a diseased, unstable state of mind. It's no mistake the biggest global conspiracy is one of depopulation, that its logo is supposedly a triangle, and that Delta extracted from the Norse Volknut means fertility. These are the patterns that we see and the observations that we make on the Secret Teachings Radio, five nights a week broadcasting on the Fringe FM. For more information, check out thesecretteachings.info or email us rdgable at yahoo.com. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, broadcasting around the world Monday through Friday. The Paranormal Radio app talk stream live, The Fringe FM, and www.thesecretteachings.info. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com. Again, the music tonight by White Bat Audio. We're told by historians, scientists, archaeologists, and others all about our history, all about the history of man, the history of certain artifacts, the history of certain archaeological sites. And a lot of times the evidence does not add up. It does not confirm what is often an assumption, what is often a suggestion, what is often a conclusion based on evidence that is not conclusive. We're told that the Earth is 4.7 billion years old, that what we call planet Earth formed out of that primordial structure around 800 million years ago. Fossil studies supposedly reveal that life developed very quick after the formation of what we call the physical planet 800 million years ago probably within the first 200 million years, or roughly about 3.7 billion years ago. In South Africa, little tiny items were found that, if they are natural, would of course have little meaning, but if they are artificial, would absolutely completely rewrite history, would completely rewrite the understanding that we have of what we are as beings on this planet. These little items called the Klerksdorp spheres found in South Africa date back to 3.5 billion years. That is roughly the age of the development of life on this planet but very, very early life, of course. Not anything resembling what we call modern man. The first true cells on Earth, according to some, were the heterotrophs, which resulted as a product from the earliest amino acids produced from the fermentation of basic 
or simple elements. Between 2.5 and 2.1 billion years ago, the earlier single-cell chlorophyta, or green algae, then began to develop, clumping together in little colonies. This simple vegetation represented the earliest plant-like organisms, again dated to about 2.5 or 2.1 billion years ago. So some of the earliest life, the heterotrophs, true cells that developed on planet Earth as a product of fermentation of the amino acids that had developed on the planet. Two and a half billion years ago, single-cell chlorophyta, or green algae, then formed. After that, as land began to form, a large landmass known, as some of you probably remember, reading about this at one point or another, Panagia. Panagia developed a large landmass. After that, we're talking about hundreds of millions of years here, Earth's oldest known mass extinction event occurred around 430 million years ago. The second mass extinction took place about 365 million years ago. Two mass extinction events And then about 300 million years ago, a third ice age, the Perma Carboniferous. Between 262 and 225 million years ago, the landmass that we know as, that we know as, and has been known as Panagia, split into the northern supercontinent of Laurasia and a southern supercontinent of Gondwanaland. Some of you probably have heard these names as well. A fourth mass extinction then occurred shortly after the end of the Triassic period, about 215 or 195 million years ago. People believe that this was the result of a celestial impact. Various dinosaur species, which we officially believe to exist today, having been descended from the dinosaurs, various dinosaur species continued to thrive even after this event, after the fourth ice age, about 150 million years years ago. About 35 million years ago, two celestial impacts, one hitting the Chesapeake Bay area, and a second impact in Siberia caused another mass extinction. After that, what we call monkeys emerged about 30 million years ago. One of the first proto-apes, the Pleopithecus, appeared about 23 million years ago. Then a creature called the Proconsul, the Proconsul, appeared about 22 million years ago. It's considered a generalized mammalian species, not really an ape, not really a man, comprising a variety of statures from pygmy, chimpanzee, to gorilla-like. The first true primates, the Adapis parasienesis, developed approximately 20 million years ago. Now, scientists believe that what we call man, or hominoids, originated in Africa and or Asia. One of the earliest candidates for inclusion into the hominoid lineage was the Oreopithecus, first appearing about 16 million years ago. About a million years after that, about 15 million years ago, an early primate became a ground dweller, according to official narratives, called the Equatorius. 
Now, after that, as we move through this development of life, what we call the ape man became a major division in the hominoid line. The hominid line that uh, was due to its ability to walk erect. Its unique skeleton and muscular design allowed for this to transpire. The lineage of ape men is called the Australopithecus. The Australopithecines were considered a very gentle and peaceful species that lived in small groups. They were also very short in stature. Females reportedly standing at only about 3 foot 6 inches and males approximately about 4 feet. Of course, anybody who were, was taller than this could have been a giant. Uh, we know that people were much smaller in these days. So as a result of that, giants didn't have to be 30, 40, 50 feet tall. Giants could have been 9, 10, 11, 12 feet tall. And uh, there is historical evidence of that, but that's a separate subject at the moment. After the emergence of the fifth and last glacial age, about 2.2 million years ago, getting very close to the modern time, another eight-man branch emerged, one that remained a member of the Australopithecus family, but a different and distinct subspecies called the Homo habilis, the handyman, because the Homo habilis began to use simple stone tools. The earliest form of what we call man or near man The oldest traceable human lineage is to be found in the genus Homo erectus about 1.7 million years ago, ushering in the earliest men that walked in a fully upright gait and stance. True man didn't really emerge until Homo sapiens, however, about 400,000 years ago. Then the proto-sapiens. Proto-sapiens emerged with additional abilities, advanced hunting skills, which supposedly were possessed right from their evolution. The first officially named subspecies within the Homo sapiens genus, the Neanderthal man, emerged during the start of the third interglacial period of our last Ice Age phase, known as the Verm glaciation, about 150,000 B.C. Species was followed by modern man, by modern man. So you have uh, proto-sapiens, Neanderthals, Cro-Magnons, and then you have sapiens, a word that essentially means wise or you know, the wise man. So this is essentially the development, and a lot of that might have been nonsense to you. I don't have all of this completely stored away in my memory bank. But this is the official development of life on planet Earth over millions, over billions of years. From earlier cells and amino acids and fermentation to the use of tools to what we call truly modern man. Sometime along the way, something else absolutely had to have happened that we are unaware of, at least officially. Because Throughout thousands of years, and in some cases, millions of years, structures and artifacts, what we call artifacts, structures and devices and items were created that seemingly defy our understanding of history, of archaeology, even of theology, for that matter. Our understanding of of anything historically that just totally and absolutely rewrites 
everything we think we know about humankind. There's an article published just a few days ago in late September. NPR and a number of other newspapers picked it up. It's published in the journal Science, a team of researchers led by Matthew Bennett of Bournemouth University in England. Studied what were believed to be now the oldest ancient fossilized human footprints in North America. The question of when humans first migrated to North America has long been a matter of debate among researchers. This research team analyzed fossilized human footprints found in New Mexico. They found them at White Sands, New Mexico. They date back to at minimal 21,000 years ago. And they were able to date them based on little seeds that they found in the footprints from a spiral ditch grass, which is an aquatic plant that they use to carbon date the footprints. They concluded, therefore, that the footprints were made between 21 and 23,000 years ago. It's a discrepancy, of course, of a few thousand years. That's a lot of, a lot of years. Uh, that would place the habitation of these humans in what we call white sands, White Sands National Park. Uh, around the time of the last glacial maximum, a uh, glacial maximum is about 5,000 years earlier than what has been accepted as the time frame for humans to have lived in North America. So just a simple story. You don't hear a lot about it, but a 5,000-year difference between mainline North American history and what even mainline scientists at major universities are finding. It's almost like every day history is being rewritten. In fact, if we go back to August, the bones of a teenage hunter-gatherer, according to a report from CNN, who died about 7,000 years ago on the Indonesian island of Salavasi, tell the story of a previously unknown group of humans. The information was published in the journal Nature. And the co-author of the study, Adam Broom, a professor of archaeology at Griffith University's Australian Research Center for Human Evolution, wrote, quote, We have discovered the first ancient human DNA in the island region between Asia and Australia, known as Wallisia, providing new insight into the genetic diversity and population history of early modern humans in this little understood part of the world, end quote. The first modern humans used the Walsia Islands, mostly uh, and mainly Indonesian islands that include Salavasi, Lombok, and Flores, as they crossed from Eurasia to the Australian continent more than 50,000 years ago. The bones of this teenage person date over 7,000 years ago and supposedly detail an unknown group of humans that had not been identified or classified before. Another article, mid-September, details what scientists found in a cave in Morocco, evidence of what they believe is the manufacture of clothing dating back 120,000 years. 120,000 years. That, of course, is a very, very long time ago. However, they're not 100% sure 
if what they found is absolute evidence of clothing, because what they found were 12,000 bone fragments. These were scientist and anthropologist Emily Hallett from the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Human History in Germany. 12,000 bone fragments found at the site. Hallett identified 60 animal bones that had been shaped by humans for use as tools. And so basically they used the evidence of these tools and uh, the bones from animals that have uh, skinning marks. And they think that maybe, just maybe, they're not sure, maybe, this was evidence that if they weren't skinning for some other reason, they might have been skinning to create uh, clothing. Uh, others suggest, and genetic studies suggest, uh, clothing was manufactured in some capacity. And obviously we don't mean like manufacturing plants and textiles, but just you know, primitive clothing was manufactured um, 170,000 years ago. In Africa, and of course, again, you know, we're not talking about Gucci handbags. We're not talking about uh, you know Ralph Lauren or Polo. We're talking about um, you know very primitive clothing. I don't know what it looked like. You know, I mean, I've seen movies, I've read about things in books, but I, I don't know what it, what it looked like. I have no clue. We just have kind of an idea. It's just kind of a guess. But that's interesting. You know, these little stories come up. The oldest human footprints in America discovered in New Mexico, or at least that's what they believe. The bones of a totally unknown group of humans discovered in Indonesia. And uh, then you have uh, the story of clothing in Morocco dating back to 120,000 years ago or so. The scientists believe that to be the case. So, you know, I think that in order to really understand the question of how were structures like Puma Punku built? How were structures like Machu Picchu built? How were the great pyramids of Egypt or the pyramids all over the world built? How, how was Gobekli Tepe built? And how was um, uh, Baalbek built? How was the, I don't know how to pronounce this, the uh, Gantesia Temple? Uh, uh, that is just an incredible structure. Uh, it's it's called the work of the giants. It's located at Zagra um, on Gazo Island. It's the most uh, impressive site on Gazo, probably considering that the uh, the design of the structure includes stone ball and socked uh, 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 devices that pivot a stone entrance gate or several stone entrance gates. Uh, that just is, it's beyond comprehension that ancient man, as we understand ancient man, or we think we understand ancient man, could have developed something like this. I mean, this site is incredible, and it gets, you know, there, there are so many. There are some that, let's put it this way, there are a lot of sites that you hear about all the time. You hear about Pumupunku, you hear about Machu Picchu, you hear about the Nazca Lines, you hear about the Pyramids of Giza. Once in a while you hear about Gobekli Tepe, you'll hear about Nanmadol. Um, and, uh, you know, that's even kind of a rare one to discuss. You know, it's very specific documentaries or very specific episodes of like ancient aliens or something to, to this effect. Um, this place, uh, Gigantija in, in Malta, is a megalithic temple complex from the Neolithic on the Mediterranean island of Gozo. Um, it, th this megalithic structure 
Uh, it's one of the earliest megalithic temples of Malta. Um, it's older than the pyramids of Egypt, which is incredible considering that, uh, you know, the Sphinx, if you read Robert Schock uh, and others who suggest that the Sphinx is much older than what mainline historians tell us, archaeologists, um, that, that, that some believe that the Egyptian uh, structures that we kind of see in popular culture as being that that's Egypt, some of these structures date back millions of years. That they, I mean, as Robert Schock detailed, these they would have had to have date back to a time in which there was you know consistent rainfall, or that you know some suggest maybe they were underwater. Maybe it was a when 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 what we call Egypt was a tropical uh, part of what we call Africa. So if that's the case, we're talking about a period of time that is kind of incomprehensible to us today, and Gigantesia. And the island of Gozo in the Mediterranean, this this structure is older than those pyramids, and it. Ha- I mean, I haven't been there, but I, from what I've read, this structure, the uh, Gigantesia Temple, or the work of the giants, as they call it, this structure has um, it has a spiral design. Uh, there's a supposedly like a snake motif incorporated into it, which you know, kind of just. On the surface, reminds me of the, the of the the snake mounds or the serpent mounds in Ohio here in the states, and um, it has a a stone ball and socket used to pivot massive stone entrance gates. I, that is just incredible to me. I I I I I I don't know. Like I don't have answers to this. I mean, you can consult ancient aliens, and you can consult documentaries, and you can consult your coast to coast radio shows. Ultimately, we don't know. But what we do know for sure is that these structures exist. And what we do know for sure is that they're a lot older than is typically assumed. Beyond that, we're not any more sure. We might have some other ideas. We're open to possibilities. But we have very little comprehension of the history, of the technology, the science, of, of, of the engineering uh, you know, the mathematics, little more than what the, the mainline anthropologist, archaeologist, scientist, historian uh, knows. The, the major difference is most of them are strict in their adherence to the dogma. And that's for money, that's for ego, that's for, you know, making sure they're published, that's for, you know, not wanting to admit that they're wrong that's for you know maintaining their tenure it's a lot of reasons of course that that are that are involved in this um, others just have a more open mind but this is an incredible site found in uh, you know the Mediterranean island of Gozo I believe that's how you pronounce it um, this temple is just incredible it's a ball and socket gates that open and close uh, and then they call it the the work of the giants and and again giants, it doesn't mean that there were like 60 feet tall, 100 feet tall beings walking on this planet and that, um, you know, in, if you go to Wyoming and you go to the Devil's Tower, that that was some giant tree that was cut down from some ancient alien giant, you know, uh, lumberjack. Uh, I don't, that is, that goes so far beyond, you know, reasoning and logic uh, that it's just as incomprehensible as, as believing that, a few stone tools were responsible for constructing, you know, Pumapunku or Machu Picchu or Nanmadal for that matter. Uh, and in a lot of these cases at Nanmadal and other places, 
Um, there are stories, and, and I've even heard these about Egypt, stories about how the stones were levitated. And I think that's an interesting thing because if the stones were levitated, just think about this. Maybe th- there were some kind of construction equipment involved that is you know, more m- modern in the sense of how we understand construction with cranes. And they probably weren't cranes like, like we understand, like we know, because some of these blocks are so heavy that modern cranes can, can barely or in some cases can't even lift them, let alone transport them you know, long distances. So, and, and, you know, if that were the case, it, it would take, you know, forever to transport it, you know, like the space shuttle, you know, the the um, the, the space shuttle walker that just it moves at like one mile an hour. It, it's or maybe I think maybe they get it up to two miles an hour, but it's very, very slow. So, you know, if something floated through the air, if if ancient man, assuming that ancient man is 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 a is a, is a dumbass, you know, and just so stupid because we're so intelligent today, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you know, if you live in a city where you've got some construction going on, just think about that. Look at a crane lifting something off the ground. And oftentimes, if you just glance at it, it just looks like a steel beam or, you know, some kind of whatever is being lifted, a piece of, you know, a, a building. It just looks like it's floating in the air. So, I mean, I don't like to jump to the immediate conclusion that if there's a story, like at Namadal, if there's a story of something um, being... Uh, transported through the air that it has to have been moved by you know extraterrestrials or you know some some alien species that's levitating it with <laughs> with with their mind or something like that um you know in the case of non madal it's an incredible structure and I, I you know that that structure along with uh, you know structures like uh gigantesia uh, in the Mediterranean, uh, they defy our understanding, but that doesn't mean that they're extraterrestrial. And maybe that hurts my chances of making some coin and going on the History Channel, but I don't care because I think that we should consider all possibilities. And, you know, the reality is a lot of the people on Ancient Aliens also consider these other possibilities. It's just a TV show where the theme is ancient aliens. But I can tell you for sure that a lot of people in ancient aliens have the ability to consider other possibilities. And that's what makes an open mind really dangerous to the established narrative. I mean, just just a, a TV show like Ancient Aliens and the cult that builds around it where people literally, I mean, they're in a cult. You know, they're in the Von Daniken cult, whether Von Daniken, I mean, he seems like a cool guy to me. You know, I met him a couple times. He seems like a cool guy. He's very passionate about what he believes and what he's written. But I don't think Von Daniken intended to create a cult. I think a cult forms around it. And then that cult becomes very, you know, verbally, (laughs) in some cases I've experienced, verbally violent, you know, against people who disagree with them. And it's just like, can't we try to figure this out without infighting? Can't we try to figure this out by, by considering all possibilities I mean, isn't it possible? Isn't that how they, they, they do most of ancient aliens? Is it possible? Is it possible? Let me, get in this, let me get into the voice. Is it possible that ancient aliens were involved in the construction of Gigantesia on the Mediterranean island of Gazo? Ancient alien theorists believe this is possible. I mean, you could just change it. We could do a show called Ancient Human or Ancient Homo Sapien or Ancient Man, Ancient Man Theorists. 
ancient man theorists believe that ancient man constructed the enormous complex of Gigantesia on the Mediterranean island of Gazo. Ancient human theorists believe they were the ones that constructed these enormous gates on a stone pivot ball that defies our understanding of history. Ancient human theorists believe this to be the case. You know, it would sound just as good. It would be a good TV show, I think. Ancient human theorists, <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Uh, sometimes I'm a, I'm a word guy, sometimes I'm not. But that is essentially what we're dealing with. So it's really unfortunate, I think, in some ways, that our, our attempt to understand these, these anomalous artifacts and these incredible structures has, in some respect, been reduced to a laughingstock um, although when you watch a TV show like Ancient Aliens, you know, it's, it's kind of funny, it's kind of comical sometimes, and it's very, very speculative, and they jump to aliens very quickly. But that doesn't mean that when they're showing you some of these incredible structures that it isn't absolutely, um, you know, beyond, you know, our comprehension as we understand history. It's, those structures are still there. And it's like, well, aliens didn't build them. Okay, well, then who built them? Ancient man built them. Well, how did ancient man build them? Oh, with stone tools. Well, stone tools don't explain, or metal, you know, metal t- tools don't explain, or you know, sitting there and trying to carve the the intricate designs, you know, or trying to you know, essentially laser etch things, you know, onto buildings, or in some cases in Egypt or whatever. It doesn't explain how these structures were built, um, in the way that they were built. I mean, this. The, the development of some of these these structures requires an understanding. I mean, whether they're calendars, I mean, we don't even know, don't even know how Stonehenge was built for that matter, or the American Stonehenge. Well, we don't understand how you know. I mean, I can go out and I can look at a building in a, in, a, in a major city, and like I can get an idea of how it was built because like I've watched construction shows. I don't fully understand engineering or construction i'm not an engineer my mind doesn't work that way uh but i can i can get a kind of i like i get the idea of how it stands but when you have some of the 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 greatest minds in the world who are unable to comprehend how ancient man engineered these structures i mean it might not be aliens but it surely isn't the mainline narrative either I mean, I just, you know, most people don't even know about about the American Stonehenge in Salem, New Hampshire. Like, go look at that. How the hell was that built by ancient man? Even if it's like a, a, a semi-complex structure that, that is easily understandable, like in terms of how, how it was built with stones or whatever. It's like, oh, well, clearly, man, you know, man built that. But a lot of times it's not in the structure itself, like in the physical components. It's in how it was lined up with the solstices and the equinoxes. I mean, how how there that indicates there was a a a complex understanding beyond you know uh, you know th- you know the construction process beyond engineering. I mean, you have to you have to consider mathematics and astronomy too. But just think about that. I mean, whether it's Newgrange, Newgrange in Ireland, which is an incredible monument uh, in Donor uh, County, uh, it's the county of Meath in Ireland, I believe. Um, this structure supposed to be a tomb built during the Neolithic period, about 3200 B.C. Um, it's older than Stonehenge, and it's older than the Egyptian pyramids, just like the uh, Gigantesia uh, 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 Temple at, a, a, at a Gozo, the island of Gozo. Um, 
you look at these structures and sometimes the structure is not as impressive, but what it tells you is impressive, that there was a complex and detailed understanding of the mechanisms of the heavens as much as there was an understanding of the mechanisms of engineering, mathematics, what we call science, um, even down to, you know, basic everyday uh, necessities like understanding, you know, agriculture before we thought agriculture was a thing. Go to Gobekli Tepe, uh, understanding medicine. I mean, China and India, uh, Ayurveda to ancient Chinese medicine, uh, understanding things like basically penicillin and curing cancer and, you know, things that we barely understand today, but at least were comprehended by what we call ancient man thousands and thousands of years ago. I don't necessarily think it's aliens, and I won't even put all my money on ancient man, but mainline science, mainline history, mainline anthropology, mainline mainline archaeology, they're definitely wrong in their rushed conclusions. It doesn't mean aliens did it, but it, it certainly means that we don't have a full understanding of where we are as a species, as a civilization. And I think that scares us and why a lot of people either jump to aliens because that's cool or we just revert to the institutional dogma because it's too much to comprehend. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. If you want to hear more of The Secret Teachings, subscribe to the archive. Get access to all the shows, montages, and my digital books. You get a free copy of Occult Arcana when you subscribe to the archive for one year. It's $50. Do it on the website or donate one time. PayPal, rdgable at yahoo.com. The music, White Bat Audio. Again, this is The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. A whole other hour coming up after this. Stay with us. Lighting the void with the secret teachings of all ages. It's KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. Hey there, I'm Ryan Gable of The Secret Teachings, and I want to share something very interesting with you. It's no mistake that the CDC began recommending masks in April of 2020 and that people immediately had trouble adapting or breathing just a few weeks before George Floyd died in Minneapolis. After his death, people began chanting, I can't breathe on May 26th. It's no mistake that in June, this man with black skin who had been turned into a god was placed into a golden coffin. 
a real-life reenactment of the killing of Osiris in Egyptian myth. It's no coincidence the same month that this took place in the Twin Cities. A twin summit was taking place with the World Economic Forum, the implications of which we look at on The Secret Teachings. And these are the patterns and observations that we make on the show five nights a week, broadcasting on The Fringe FM. For more information, check out thesecretteachings.info or email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. So are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. Are you thinking about creating a podcast but don't know where to start? Do you really want to have to learn all this stuff? Individual track processing, enhanced improved sound quality, edit out those awkward pauses and slips, mix multiple clips and tracks, back volumes, deliver consistent sound. Live podcast production, show notes and SEO optimization, episode upload, hosting, live call screening, balance levels and loud measure broadcast standards, full branding packages, logo design, podcast site, website, show artwork. Or do you just want to get on the mic and get your ideas out there? The Fringe FM team is here to help with all of your podcasting, audio and video production needs. From simple podcast to audio enhancement, our professional production staff will make it easier than ever to create the podcast you desire. Visit thefringe.fm, join our team, and get jump started on your podcast today. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. What are you doing on Wednesdays? I want to invite you to join me, Jess Rogie, the host of The Rogie Report, where I provide commentary and invite guests on to talk about UAPs, conspiracies, current events, nature of reality, consciousness, and of course, the paranormal. Listen to The Rogie Report every Wednesday live at 6 p.m. Pacific. 9 p.m. Eastern here on the Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. For a lot longer than most podcasts have been around, The Secret Teachings has been at the forefront of unique investigation into both the mundane and the extraordinary. Critical thought and controlled speculation allowed us to determine that the much-anticipated UAP report would be vague, unexplained, and would simply imply the need for defense against national security threats. We determined that sonic weapons were the cause of Havana Syndrome a full year before CNN acknowledged the same. We told you about the mind-controlled magic, sex slavery, and intellectual theft in the music industry long before Britney Spears spoke out about her conservatorship, and we've been removed from radio for refusing to censor our show over international child trafficking networks and sex cults long before Epstein didn't kill himself. This has been done with no budget, only your support, and a will to learn and succeed. And you can continue to be a part of The Secret Teachings journey as we broadcast Monday through Friday after lighting the void with Joe Roop, right here on KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. TLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM, brings you exclusively The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and welcome to the Secret Teachings radio broadcast wherever you are listening around the world, and whenever you are listening, in the morning, afternoon, or at night, in the archive, 
the Paranormal Radio app, Talk Stream Live, or the Fringe FM, our home network website, and our home network, Fringe FM and www.thesecretteachings.info. Our full show archive is on the website, where you can also find our montage archive, or our compilation archive, as some call it. You'll also find digital copies of each of my books. You can download those with your subscription. You can subscribe for one week for $5, one month, or reoccurring weekly and monthly for uh, $10 for a month, or, and some people do that just to support the show, or if you're looking for the best deal, you get all of that and a physical copy of one of my books, your choice, when you subscribe for one year, at $50, you can donate $50 directly to The Secret Teachings and we'll set up your account manually or you can do it automatically through the website www.thesecretteachings.info Contact the show at that same email rdgable at yahoo.com Check us out on social media facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and don't forget about Patreon for behind the scenes videos and more once you become a patron you can email me and ask me for Pretty much whatever you want, and we'll try to get it done for you. Uh, We have a limited number of patron slots so that I can be more interactive with you as patrons. Um, Tried to uh, keep up with that as best as possible, and I appreciate all of you who are patrons who understand that uh, I have a life outside of radio, and I work another job, and I'm trying to uh, keep it all going. Uh, I will, however be hopefully moving in the next two months and uh, putting all my chips in radio for the first time to do it full-time without having to work another job. Uh, So your support is needed now as much as it ever has been. Grab a book, subscribe to the show, become a patron, or I've never really done this much, but uh, donate a few dollars if you have any to the show to support what we do. I'm not saying $100. I'm saying like $5, something. Support the show. If everybody donated a few dollars, you'd be able to help support this broadcast and keep us on air. But then again, you know, I know, I'll be honest with you, I know, I know how it is. Every show wants a few dollars. Every show wants a subscription. Every show wants you to buy this or buy that. I'm aware of that. I'm not trying to, you know, milk more money out of an audience. I'm just saying, if you support this show, if you like what we do, I try to make it unique, well then, support us if you have the ability to do so. Ancient anomalous artifacts, ancient man, ancient structures, near-ancient mysterious anomalous artifacts, structures, and man. Anthropologists, archaeologists, scientists, historians, even philosophers all tell us what we should know about the ancient world. Oftentimes, archaeologists discover what they want to discover, as do anthropologists, as do sociologists, as do historians. Oftentimes it's because of money. Other times it's because of bias. Other times it's because of religion. When you look around the world, you can look to South America, Africa, Asia, or you can look to Australia. You can look to Europe. You can look to Russia. You're going to find things that defy what could be classified as a mainline standard education. 
whether in public or private schools. And the reason on the surface for that is because if scientists can't explain Machu Picchu, Pumupunku, Gigantija, they can't explain Newgrange, they can't explain Baalbek, they can't explain the numerous pyramids and ziggurats all over the world, they can't explain the various traditions and the artifacts that seem to defy even modern understandings of science and engineering. They can't understand the Baghdad battery or the Antikytherian device, so they just simply say, let's hold off. We don't understand this, so we're not going to teach other people about it. If you go beyond that, though, I think it's more like, we don't understand this. This complicates history. This complicates our individual professions and our collective understanding of of, of what the human race is, of what human civilization is, and where we are going and where we came from, more importantly, perhaps. So, since it's conflicting, it also diminishes the authority of the mainline dogma. And that cannot be acceptable. So it has to be written off. It has to be covered up. It has to be buried, in some cases, quite literally. It has to be destroyed, in some cases, quite literally. But obviously, you're not going to be able to destroy without people seeing it, you know, especially when people know about it. You know, things that, you know, until people began to investigate them, were just, you know, ancient structures. You know, not many people questioned, you know, a handful, maybe. Uh, Not many people questioned Machu Picchu, uh, which was an uh, a, a, an Incan um, uh, structure in the Andes Mountains in Peru, uh, supposedly built in the 15th century. Uh, that structure is, I mean, if you've ever gotten a chance to go there, uh, I'm very jealous. That is an incredible place, it looks like. Uh, or Pumupunku, uh, which, I mean, that, that structure is maybe even more incredible than Machu Picchu. Um, this place uh, in Bolivia, uh, and they also have the the uh, the gateway. I think it's called the Gateway of the Sun, something to that effect. Uh, that place is um, uh, just beyond belief. Uh, talked about uh, Gigantesia in the Mediterranean earlier, and these giant uh, pivoting gates that are on these like stone balls. Uh, America's Stonehenge in New Hampshire, the, the, the classical Stonehenge uh, as well, um, Newgrange in Ireland, uh, Baalbek, which is in Lebanon. Um, you know, I, I just, you look around and it's like virtually everything we think we know is, is wrong. Virtually everything we think we understand is, is not accurate. It doesn't mean people are lying necessarily, but see, it becomes... It becomes so questionable what we've been told. Not that there's a grand conspiracy, but over time, you know, leading archaeologists, anthropologists, historians, researchers, explorers, they document these things. And then there becomes a structured dogma or a narrative around that subject. And because most of us don't have the money, the knowledge, the capacity, the you know, the concern, the interest to go and investigate these kinds of things for ourselves. That's not our profession. That's not our job. We listen to the experts. And until other experts come along who have done their own investigation, we just know the narrative. 
And that narrative might not have been conspiratorial. That narrative might not have been anything except this is what at the time, you know, whatever the, the, the study was, archaeology, anthropology, etc., this is what they believed. And it's not that they were necessarily wrong because they had a bias or whatever. They just didn't know more. They don't know what we know today. So when we find things out today, it rewrites that history. It's not always conspiratorial, and it's not always ancient aliens or extraterrestrials that are building these structures, that are responsible for these structures. I think that on the surface is, if, if, let, me, let, me reinstate, let me restate that. I think the idea of ancient aliens and extraterrestrials being responsible for the construction of all of these, these, these structures and being responsible for anomalous artifacts and things like that, I think that, as an absolute on the surface, is an insult to human development. I think it's an insult to the development of mankind over thousands or perhaps millions of years. I think it's an insult because it assumes that ancient man was still very primitive. And ancient man could not have built these structures, which in a sense, the alien extraterrestrial hypothesis kind of is is some distant uh, substrand of the mainline narrative, which assumes that ancient man couldn't have built these things because they're not advanced like we are today, having a, you know, a modern bias, so they just don't exist. They're irrelevant. Aliens and extraterrestrials just puts a new spin on that. It says ancient man couldn't have built this. It had to have been aliens. It had to have been extraterrestrials. I won't discount that because it provides a, in my opinion, it provides a better explanation than just simply pretending it doesn't exist. So aliens and extraterrestrials makes more sense. It doesn't mean that's the only solution, the only answer, because I think ancient man probably had a more complex understanding of these things. I think maybe there was a large, interconnected, collective, maybe a global, or at least global in the sense that, that we know global today, you know, different countries, different cultures, but, a, but an interconnected uh, civilization. And for one reason or another, or multiple reasons, that civilization ceased to exist. And perhaps there were uncontacted tribes uh, in those days, just like there are today. And whatever happened, uh, nuclear weapons, uh, an asteroid, um, uh, you know, cataclysm on Earth, uh, gravitational changes, you know, tectonic plate movement, whatever, Earth crust displacement, whatever, uh, that civilization was wiped out and a lot of information was lost. And uh, as a result of that, um, you know, uncontacted tribes, as, as we might know them today, maybe they began to develop and maybe we are descendant of them and we don't understand this other human civilization, we're not fully as descended from them. I don't know if that makes sense. I'm just kind of spitballing here. I'm speculating. I don't know. I don't know the answers to this. If I knew the answers, I wouldn't be doing the show on this because it would just be common knowledge if we knew the answers to this. If we knew the answers, then you know, ancient aliens wouldn't be ancient alien theorists believe. Or could ancient aliens have built this structure? Ancient alien theorists believe that is the case. We don't know. We don't know. What we do know for sure, though, is that the mainline community on all these subjects is wrong. They might not be wrong about the location and the coordinates. They might not be wrong about you know, the exact date it was constructed. But what's missing from those details is the knowledge 
the level of understanding, the complexity of the designs, the structure, the building, the artifact, whatever, mathematics, you know, generalized science, uh, uh, astronomy, uh, astrology, the, the complexity of the heavens, the complexity of, of nature, understanding these things to build that in the first place. Consider Baalbek, 44 miles east of Beirut, Lebanon, consisting of a number of catacombs and stone ruins. You can look up Baalbek on the internet. Um, Baalbek was also, in uh, Greek and Roman times, known as Heliopolis, the city of the sun. Baalbek is an interesting little location because there are large stones at Baalbek cut and lifted from a quarry bed traveling half a mile, roughly, maybe more, to the city of Baalbek. One cut block, the largest single quarried stone known to man, 70 feet by 13.5 feet by 13 feet, an estimated weight of 1,200 and 2,000, not pounds, tons. 2,000 tons, one of the stones at Baalbek. It's supposedly the largest single quarried stone known to man, measuring about 70 feet by 13.5 feet by 13 feet, an estimated weight of between not 1,200 and 2,000 pounds, but between 1,200 and 2,000 tons. Do the math on that and try to figure out how anybody, ancient man or modern man for that matter, could move a 2,000, and they're estimating 1,200 to 2,000, even if it's 1,200 tons, 1,200 tons, 1,200 of, of thousands and thousands of pounds could move that stone. It was, it's a single quarried stone, too, that was moved over half a mile. How in the hell did anybody do that? That doesn't mean a spaceship can picked up with a tractor beam, but my God, think about that. I mean, even the, even the, the Moai on Rapa Nui on Easter Island, these things were carved out of, out of the, 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 the mountain, and they were carried down the, down the slopes, and they were placed on the, the, uh, the, the island, uh, throughout all over the island, on the edges of the island. Some of them wore hats. Uh, most of them, and this was more of a recent discovery, um, people had speculated a lot of these, most of these, these Moai heads actually had bodies that were underground, which makes it even more confusing, right? I mean, it's just it's like, I think they have stories there of birdmen that came down and assisted them, and they had a, a language um, that the missionaries just burned and destroyed. Uh, you can thank uh, thank missionaries for that, so we don't really exactly know how, how that place was built. But then, you know, you also have to consider that, um, you know, whether it's the Vatican or, or the, the supposed, um, you know, libraries of, uh, in Tibet or whatever, where maybe it's the CIA, I don't know. You have to consider that there, there might be very extensive records of, um, you know, that were compiled. Uh, you know, people always say the Library of Alexandria. There's a lot of um, Arab texts that talk about, uh, you know, th- this type of thing. Um, that describe in more complex details the things that we can speculate on that kind of are out of place in history. And, and maybe a lot of this exists today where you can go into some archive somewhere and find that there's a very easy explanation for how a lot of this stuff was done. Perhaps it was some form of acoustic levitation. I mean, that'd have to be some intense acoustic levitation to, to raise a 
ton, not a 2,000 pound, but a 2,000 ton uh, single quarried stone and move it half a mile to Heliopolis. That's just, you know, incredible. Um, of course, you know, there's no reason to really spend a lot of time on the Great Pyramid at Giza. Uh, but, you know, we just to think about it for a second, we kind of dismiss that pyramid because we hear about it so much. It's like, yeah, I know about the pyramids. I know about some of you know about Pumapunku or you know about Gobekli Tepe. You know about, you know, Baalbek. You know about, you know, whatever. You know, but, but do you know about uh, the Great White Pyramid of China? called the Jiang Pyramid, supposedly was reported in the 1940s by U.S. service members. And get this, the pyramid is believed to be a thousand feet tall. Just to give you a reference, if my memory serves me correct, the Great Pyramid of Giza is just under half that. I think it's like 480-something feet tall, or, you know, the Great Pyramid um, of a Cheops or Khufu. So that's pretty big, <laughs> if that's the case. Um, there was supposedly uh, a photograph published, or there, there was for sure a photograph published in the New York Times in 1947, uh, whether it was quote-unquote real or not, uh, by Maurice Sheehan, who took the photo of the Pyramid of Jiang. And uh, you've probably seen this pyramid. It looks more like a mountain uh, than a uh, than a pyramid. Um, some people still don't, you know, believe that this this place exists. But there there are modern photos of things in uh, in China that some believe are are the the remnants of that or other ancient civilizations. I mean, a lot of times what happens is you find like these things that look like big mounds or hills or mountains, and they're not. They're pyramids. They're artificial constructs. I mean, whether they're in China, they're in North America, they're all over the world. And then, you know, you go to classical structures like Tiwanaku in Bolivia uh, on a plateau high in the Andes Mountains uh, on the shores of Lake Titicaca. This structure, which I'm sure you've heard of like, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of times, Probably so many times that you're kind of kind of sick of hearing about it. Uh, but Tiwanaku is uh, the site of a complex comprising uh, just multiple ancient ruins uh, covering a, an area of about roughly one or two miles in size. Uh, it was built using hard andesite stone blocks that came from a peninsula of Lake Titicaca near the village of Copacabana. It's about 20 miles or so away, um, as well as from Chiapa an aerial distance of 40 miles. So somehow they moved these stones, and, and that's an aerial distance of 40 miles. They moved these stones, um, supposedly by hand, to build this structure at Tiwanaku. Uh, one indigenous legend of Tiwanaku explains that the stones were carried through the air by, quote, gifted beans, end quote, to the sound of a trumpet, which gives a little basis little credibility to the idea of acoustic levitation, which probably was also used at non-Madal because there are legends of non-Madal of the same thing happening. The stones lifting off the ground and moving without anybody touching them. Modern cranes essentially do that, but we understand what a crane is to ancient man. Perhaps they didn't understand that, and maybe that's why they said that they were levitating by gifted beings. Those gifted beings could have been aliens, sure, but they could have also been ancient humans 
Another legend passed down by the ancient Peruvians tells of giants living around the Lake Titicaca area. Tiwanaku was built over the ruins left by these giants, or what they called the fair-haired giants. They built the original structure about 250,000 to 200,000 B.C., according to legend. So, a quarter of a million years ago, somewhere in that time range, uh, the giants built the original structure uh, around Lake Titicaca, Tiwanaku, and then after the giants left, they, you know, the Peruvians re- kind of rebuilt this this structure. Uh, and at the center, uh, the center of Tiwanaku is um, Kala, I don't know how to pronounce this, uh, Kala Sasaya, uh, the standing pillars, as it's called, um, also known as the Temple of the Sun. Sculptures originally located in the Kala Sasaya include the monolith, or what they called the giant, uh, the largest stone idol of Tiwanaku, standing 24 feet high, roughly, an estimated weight of 20 tons. That's pretty heavy, uh, but it's nowhere near the single scoried stone. <laughs> the single scoried stone of Heliopolis, or Baalbek, um, in Lebanon, that's literally between 1,200 and 2,000 tons, not pounds, tons. I forget how big the, the largest one was at Egypt. I think, maybe somebody can email me that. I think it was like... I can't remember the. I can't remember it. I read that a long time ago. This thing was like the size of a house, though, and somehow they just they just moved it with you know with with they moved it with primitive tools and 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 reed boats and the basket of you know baskets the basket of Moses whatever material that was made out of they moved it on a boat made of that you know it just floated on the water you know I throw a stone in the water it sinks but I guess they could they could move this on the on a little reed boat but you know that's I'm not an anthropologist or an archaeologist so I don't know. Uh, a gateway called Porte del Sol, of course, the Gate of the Sun, uh, was originally located at the northwest corner of Cala Sasaya. The entrance stone is very similar uh, to the, and, and this is really interesting because this is in, you know, Tiwanaku is is uh, very, very far away um, from ancient Persia. <laughs> it's in the Andy Mountains in Bolivia. Uh, but the, the, the Porte del Sol, the Gate of the Sun, was located in the northwest corner of Kalasasaya, and the ancient stone is very similar to the Persepolis Gate in ancient Persia. So, again, you find connections, in this case, from the Andes Mountains to ancient Persia. I don't have to tell you how far that is away. Um, Very similar to the opening of the mouth uh, ceremonies performed in South America and performed in ancient Egypt. Of course, there is the area known as Pumupunku, situated about a mile southwest of the other structures found at the main complex uh, and is considered to have been the site of the oldest Tiwanaku ruins. So Pumupunku is part of that, that, uh, you know, that complex of Tiwanaku, the location, um, found in the uh, Andes Mountains. Um, it's really incredible when you look at, um, when you look at uh, Tiwanaku in Bolivia, uh, and you look at Pumupunku, when you look at Machu Picchu, I mean, these structures just really defy uh, belief. They just defy our our understanding of of history. Um, it's just it's incredible. Plus, they estimate like a hundred thousand people lived there um, at the site. Um, there's no, and they don't believe that you know the Andean plateau could have uh, produced um, the resources to sustain such a large number of people. 
which is, you know, really interesting. Um, I have like this feeling inside of me that um, you start reading about this stuff. It's like it, it just expands your mind and it just bl- it literally just blows your mind. It's just something you can't comprehend. I mean, it, you, uh, there's other things, too. It's not just like it's not just like this Machu Picchu, Pumbu Pumku, Tiwanaku, it's or Balbach or Gobekli Tepe. Uh, it's like, um, how about the the giant pyramid, not Xiang in China, but the giant pyramid that supposedly is off the coast of Florida? And this was reported decades ago. There's supposedly at least one giant pyramid off the coast of Florida. Of course, people believe that the coast of Florida, uh, or part of the Bermuda Triangle, is maybe part of the area where uh, Atlantis was. So, I mean... It's just, we don't know. We have no idea. We rely on the mainline historians, archaeologists, anthropologists, etc. to tell us what's happening. And um, for decades, for centuries, we've relied on those who have traveled to these locations, who have speculated, who have told us what you know to believe. And we don't have the wealth or the, the time or the energy or the interest to go and do it ourselves. It doesn't mean that someone's lying to us. It just means that wires get crossed throughout time. And uh, when people go back and look, they can find inconsistencies in the original story. But now there's so much money and there's ego and all this involved in preserving the official narrative that we just don't want to change it because it's too much to consider. And then people, as a result of that, jump immediately to aliens, which, sure, okay, I'll consider it. But I think that ancient man might be a better explanation for these immense structures or these you know anomalous artifacts in some cases that just defy our understanding whether you know something as simple as the Baghdad battery or it's something like the Antikytherian device this uh, computer basically that was found um, in a shipwreck uh, there's you know also just you know giant stones and uh, <laughs> these stones that are so big that we can't even like put wrap our minds around them or you find little tiny things like the clerk store spheres that date back 3.5 billion years if they're not natural they're man-made that completely redefines our understanding of everything not just about man but about a plant about the planet we live on uh, i don't know i don't have the answers i'm just thinking out loud tonight here on The Secret Teachings. rdgable at yahoo.com www.thesecretteachings.info The music tonight, White Bat Audio. This is The Fringe FM. There's more after this. If you want to support the show, grab a book, subscribe to the broadcast, keep us on air Monday through Friday, and I'll keep bringing you the content that we bring you five nights a week, broadcasting around the world. Stay with us. We'll be back. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. 
Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles, and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. It's like you're all working for the same guy. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, the Fringe FM. This is the Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm. This is John B. Wells of Caravan to Midnight, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Gentlemen, thank you so much for the great work that you guys are doing. Uh, phenomenal show, for phenomenal interview, phenomenal questions, and uh, I'd be willing to come back at any time and uh, explore other topics for discussion, so thank you for having me on today. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio from WhatOnEarthIsHappening.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable.
Welcome back to The Secret Teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you for joining us this evening, this morning, this afternoon, wherever and whenever you are listening, broadcasting around the world on The Fringe FM, Monday through Friday. And don't forget about our special separate broadcast for one hour, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on a another network. Check out our show archive, montages, my books, everything at thesecretteachings.info. In promoting the books, I should tell you that these are not pamphlets. These are massive books, and they span subjects from occultism and magic to UFO cults and the music industry to artificial intelligence, disease theory, history, mythology, and more, even geoengineering. Get them on thesecretteachings.info. The music tonight by White Bat Audio. That's White Bat Audio. Royalty free. Find them on YouTube. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. Tonight, we have gone all over the world and we have discussed things that make little sense to our understanding of history, of mankind, human civilization, etc., etc., etc. I think that over hundreds, over thousands of years, historians, explorers, philosophers, scientists, they do their work Some become extremely famous for discovering things or coming up with new ideas, building things. And they become the experts. They become those authority figures that we go to for information on a certain subject. When it comes to a location, maybe up in the Andes Mountains, maybe in a foreign land, We might see things in TV, documentaries, read about them in books, listen to them on radio shows. We don't get to go there and see them for ourselves most of the time. Some of you might have been to, uh, you know, Mexico or South America. Maybe you've been to Europe. Maybe you've been to China. Maybe you've been to Rapa Nui. Maybe you've been to Easter Island. Maybe you've seen these things firsthand, but I can tell you that I haven't. Most of us have not. And to most of us, it becomes even more of a mystery on how a lot of these places, structures, monuments, statues, artifacts, how they were constructed. And then when you consider that it's not always the structure itself that's important, but the knowledge that goes into the structure. Even if you can date back a structure to a reasonable time period within the mainline narrative, the knowledge to construct such a thing had to have come from generation after generation after generation after generation of observation, observing the mechanisms of the heavens, trial and error, the scientific method, understanding things based on experience, based on the expertise that is acquired through the trial and the error. So that dates back structures and ideas hundreds, if not thousands of years older then even mainline history is willing to stretch in order to grasp. I mean, there are things that if you were to put them together, they clearly indicate a level of knowledge, 
of mathematics, of science, of engineering, of astronomy, of writing, of documentation, of, of, of you know, uh, you know d- design, uh, intellect, philosophy, and, and so many other things that are beyond our comprehension only in regards to what we determine to be acceptable history. Again, whether that be anthropology, archaeology, etc. When you put all these pieces together, you start to see that clearly what we think we know is not so accurate. What we think we know is not only inaccurate, it's a lot of times misleading. We find that although not all are intending to deceive, not all are intending to manipulate and to, to lie. In fact, I think that's kind of rare. I find that the greater amount of time is spent trying to diffuse arguments that overturn traditional history because of things like ego and because of things like money and ultimately perhaps because of things like social and political control. From Pumupunku to Baalbek, from South America to Egypt, from North America to Asia, you find this interconnectedness, this similar understanding of engineering and mathematics and astronomy and technology that, again, is only beyond our comprehension today in some respects because we have a bias about the past. We open our minds, then we find that a lot of this stuff makes much, much more sense. However, we should be very careful in making our conclusions so we don't fall into the same trap that we just worked our way out of and think that everything had to have been built by aliens. I don't think that everything was built by aliens. I will concede greatly in some instances that extraterrestrials, aliens, etc. may have been in contact with ancient man. But perhaps ancient man wasn't necessarily a primitive being. Perhaps ancient extraterrestrials, astronauts, aliens, choose to call them what you'll choose to call them and call them that may have been in contact with an ancient human civilization that was just as advanced. And perhaps those aliens, or perhaps no aliens at all, just ancient man, were responsible for building these structures and teaching this information to more primitive people that existed alongside of their civilization in the same way that we have uncontacted tribes today. There are quote-unquote primitive people who are alive today. From Australia to Africa to North America. Not just people that choose to live a primitive lifestyle, people that don't know about computers. They don't know about cars in the way that we do. They might know of their existence, but they just don't understand or comprehend it. And we don't really understand or comprehend how they live the way that they do. And this is in the modern day, in the 21st century. You look at some of these these structures. I mean, look at Baalbek. One of the largest single quarried stones in the world, known to man, is between 1,200 and 2,000 tons. 
incomprehensible how that stone could have been moved. The millions of large brick-like stones at the Giza Pyramid, the Jiang Pyramid in China, reported pyramids off the coast of Florida. When you look at um, the immense ruins of the ancient city of Metalanim, found in the southeastern shore of the Pompeii Island, a massive city built using megalithic stone blocks, you know, uh, up to 15 tons each. And the city's architecture and engineering is essentially equivalent to modern man's understanding of engineering and architecture. Artificial waterways intersect the city, large enough to accommodate modern large ships and ocean liners. And the nearby city of Nan Madal uh, was built on a coral reef just located off the south, uh, southeastern and the southern point of Pompeii and the tiny island of Timuin, or Timwin, Timvin. Approximately 90 great buildings were enclosed by a massive walled fortress that was constructed during ancient times. Literally, structures that were built out of these, what looked like, um, and they're made out of the, the, the rock nearby. And um, I forget what type of rock it is, but they, they were able to cut these pillars down and move them to this location. And the legends say that they were moved to this location by floating or that they kind of hovered through the air. They just moved through the air. And it's very similar to the legends of Tiwanaku. Uh, one legend states that the stones were carried through the air by gifted beings to the sound of a trumpet. Perhaps acoustic levitation was responsible for this. Thousands of miles away from Nanmadal, the remnants of 40 stone temples that resemble the Ponape Island architecture are found on the otherwise barren Malden Island. Roads were built from massive basalt blocks, and they move from the temples in all directions on the island some of them continuing directly into the ocean, probably meaning that they were above water at some point. The remnants of similar architecture can be found in the mountainous Pacific Islands. Uh, they're often regarded as very sacred sites by the native inhabitants. In the Clerkstorp spheres in Africa that date back billions of years, completely, if they are non-natural, redefine our understanding not only of mankind, but redefine our understanding of the development of planet Earth and the development of whatever it is that we, in this case, would call early life. Clearly, if they are artificial, well, I mean, 3.5 billion-year-old manufactured spheres, um, that would overturn even the mainline scientific narrative, which would start to look a little bit more like the religious idea or the Christian idea that the earth is only a few thousand years old. Well, that's preposterous. Can't be. That has to be billions of years old. We dated it. Well, what if these little items are older than that? And it's not like they just were found in a field somewhere. They were buried. Maybe they were made from volcanic activity. You know, there are places on this planet with artificial structures, meaning they obviously weren't built by nature that cannot be explained by our modern understandings. They cannot be explained with modern engineering, modern mathematics, 
I mean, even modern cosmology and astrology struggles to understand. With computer programs, how ancient man could have devised and developed systems and calendars that were as complex and even accurate as the computer models today, that are as relevant today as they were thousands or maybe millions of years ago. Again, perhaps an ancient human or several ancient human civilizations were obliterated in a catastrophic flood, in an asteroid strike, in some destructive force of nature. Few people survived. Over time, they lost the knowledge of how to use certain devices and tools, and we became them, or we are them. I mean, if a large portion of mankind were wiped out today, a lot of engineers and scientists, people that build iPhones and Tesla cars, most of us don't know how to build those things. We certainly wouldn't know where to get the materials or how to, how to, how to construct them. Even if we understood how, how to do it, we wouldn't know exactly how you know the blueprints of each individual device. We have to take it apart, put it back together. If nobody knew how to build an iPhone anymore, you know, some people probably could figure it out. But, you know, civilization would collapse for, for whatever reason. And a lot of the technology we have today, we wouldn't understand even how to use it after a while, a generation or two, because it wouldn't be, um, it wouldn't be as integral a part of our society anymore. There wouldn't be a new iPhone coming out. There wouldn't be a new car coming out. There wouldn't be a new computer coming out. There wouldn't be a new video game or video game console coming out. So we would slowly lose our understanding of what, what these things are generation after generation they would fade into the past and you know we make things today for commercial purposes that uh, don't stand the test of time ancient man made things that did stand the test of time and there are things that 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 you know modern man has constructed that will stand essentially the test of time and they will probably be looked at in thousands or millions of years if there are you know intelligent beings here in the same way that we look into the past and try to understand, well, where the hell, the hell did anybody do this kind of stuff? Anybody, how did anybody build this? It's incredible. I mean, I, 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 I like the uh, Gigantesha Temple uh, on the Mediterranean island of Gozo, which has like these gates that pivot on, on balls. Just It's like a complex thing for something that dates back thousands of years B.C. Um, that's older than the pyramids of Egypt. I don't... I. Th- and I think um, if you go to, uh, what is it? I think it's Newgrange in Ireland. I think it's older than the Egyptian pyramids. I mean, it, I think it dates back to like 3200 BC. So Newgrange, which correlates to the heavens, a complex knowledge of heavenly mechanisms, and Gigantesia, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Gigantesia, um, is one of these megalithic temples of Malta, older than the pyramids of Egypt, dating back uh, probably older than Newgrange, you know, 32 plus, 3,600,000 years ago. Um, That is astounding. Uh, And you, I mean, if you have the money or you have the ability to travel, you can go visit these places. They're real places. And, um, you know, I... I don't think I'm ever going to have the, uh, the the ability to you know discover and you know for myself walk around these incredible locations, but uh, they're there. People have done it, and we don't understand. 
we don't know. From the development of man and things like, you know, just look at things like that were discovered back in, uh, was it like the 1930s, um, the Baghdad batteries were found. Uh, in uh, they, they had these like clay jars, asphalt stoppers, and iron rods, and they do indeed produce an electrical charge. You know, and then you have the Antikytherian device, which is uh, 2,000 years old or more, a mechanic, an ancient mechanical device used to calculate the positions of the sun, moon, planets, and even the dates of the ancient Olympic games, like the Olympics. So it's just like, even if you can date this to 2,000 uh, years old, uh, the, the, the metal, the mechanism, the gears, the complexity of the Antikytherian device indicates that although the device might be dated to 2,000 years, and that might not be totally accurate, the knowledge of how to build such a thing has to be hundreds, if not thousands of years older. I mean, at minimal, it has to be hundreds of years older. The knowledge that comes to build something like that, and perhaps this is the remnants of, you know, like an, an Apple computer. It's the remnants of a, of a cell phone. It's, it's incredibly, incredibly advanced calculating the positions of the sun, the moon, and the planets. I mean, that is a modern computer program that is dated to 2,000 years ago. And again, more than 2,000 years ago, considering that the device itself was built with a level of knowledge about the heavens and a level of, of engineering, a level of technique, a level of, you know, obviously metallurgy and things like that that are, that are clearly beyond 2,000 years ago. Um, in terms of if this device is 2,000 years ago, then obviously this thing is uh, b- going to be built with technology that is, you know, <laughs> developed long before that uh, is the best way to really break it down and describe it. So when you start to look at all this, you consider it all, you know, together. Um, you look at uh, anomalous artifacts throughout history. Uh, we didn't talk a lot about that tonight. Um, during a 20th century excavation of a mastodon skeleton in Blue Lick Springs, Kentucky, um, at a depth below the intermittent level of the animal, archaeologists unearthed a prehistoric floor of a building that had been paved with cut stone tiles. This is in Kentucky. Now, obviously, mastodons vanished within the uh, pleo, uh, ple- uh, well, I think it's how you pronounce it, Pleistocene extinction. Uh, any building found below that level would date to before 10,500 B.C. Um, of course, uh, there uh, were metallurgic abilities that far, you know, date beyond what we think. Uh, iron mining dated to 41,000 B.C. in uh, northwestern South Africa. Uh, Trace back even further, of that, uh, further than that speculatively. Uh, molten platinum to cast ornaments um, found on the Andean Plateau. Uh, platinum, of course, smelts at a temperature above 3,200 degrees Fahrenheit, requiring a blast furnace or some other technical know-how and mechanism. Uh, artifacts made using aluminum alloy were found buried with the personal possessions of a Chinese general, Chao Chu, dating back to 200 to 300 A.D. Evidence has been found in Armenia of a metallurgic factory that utilized gloved workers, steel tweezers, and protective respiratory filters dating to around 3 thousand bc ancient copper mines of course along lake superior that's a very well-known one 
Uh, equally ancient copper mines of Rio Tinto in southern Spain dated to about eight to 6,000 B.C. And prehistoric shoes known to have been used about 7,500 B.C. in the form of fashionable and durable footwear. 1998 found in caves in Missouri. Uh, caves in Morocco recently have turned up tools that some believe, including um, uh, researcher Emily Hallett from the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Human History, believes that a uh, date back clothing manufacturing to 120,000 years ago. Others believe clothing goes back to Africa 170,000 years ago, and that's mainline science. Of course, in Egypt, um, you have uh, you know uh, uh, records in Egypt. You have records in ancient China, the Book of Medicine, or the Ni Ching, dating to 2650 B.C., uh, which contains a modern diagnosis and treatment uh, of disease. Um, 800 clay tablets from Ashurbanipal 7th century B.C. library dealt with medical subjects. The Persian Zind Avesta, uh, about 600 B.C., describes what is called a word doctor, a reference to a modern psychiatrist, a modern doctor of psychology hundreds of years ago. Um, And then, of course, you have, you know, other than the Baghdad batteries, you have sources of electricity. And then some of the incredible stuff in uh, Saqqara in 1898, the ruins of the Cairo Cairo, uh, Cairo Museum, identified as uh, item number 6347, some of you might know that, which was misidentified as a bird. It was a plane, like a glider, dated to 2000 B.C. There were others that were found in this time. They were reexamined uh, in 1969, almost 100 years later. They all had the correct dihedral angle of wing attachment, which aerodynamically would allow the device to fly. And a solid gold delta wing aircraft dated to 1400 BC is displayed in the State Museum of Bogota, Colombia. Analysis by the Aeronautical Institute of New York determined its design and proportions to be fully airworthy. A manual was also known uh, to have depicted, this is in ancient India, uh, the construction of aviation uh, devices. It was called aeronautics. So our history is anything but what we thought it was from megalithic sites to things like the soil underneath the sites to the heavens above that define the technology and the understanding that went into building the sites that goes back further than the sites build up to that understanding to the people themselves our history is much different than we think i've taken a stab at it tonight without a guest without one of those experts and without really theorizing a lot, and just provided you with the information that I've found. A lot of this information is obviously discovered by other researchers, other scientists, people that have put their careers and their livelihoods on the line to speak to what is true, what has been documented, what is evident. I'm Ryan Gable. I'm observing it. I'm analyzing it. I'm putting it together. I'm bringing it to you five nights a week here on The Secret Teachings. And I greatly appreciate you listening and supporting this show. Please grab a book, subscribe to the archive, donate a few dollars, keep us on air. We will be moving the studio very soon, hopefully to the southwest of the United States. You have the ability to support us and to help us in that endeavor. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email. You support us, and I will continue to bring you the same kind of topics and the same kinds of guests five nights a week, Monday through Friday, broadcasting around the world. www.thesecretteachings.info Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, 
keep investigating, keep exploring, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast. Time's up. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.